The Stranger Things Podcast, Season 2, Episode 20, The Movies That Inspired Stranger Things, The Goonies. <laughs> Chocolate. Fine, you want a candy bar? You do now. Look, I got a baby Ruth. Sir? Uh-huh. I understand. And now, the final ground to this kid. Baby? Ruth. I'm going to throw it to you, okay? Put it in a spoon. You shake yourself. I'm sorry, sir. I tried to get it to you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm really You're even hungrier than I am. Hello and welcome to the Stranger Things podcast, a fan podcast dedicated to the Netflix original series, Stranger Things. I'm Daryl. And I'm Maddie. And joining us today, I am, I gotta tell you guys, I've been looking forward to this day for a long time, maybe as long as she herself has. Today, joining us to talk about the Goonies is Faith McQuinn. How are you, Faith? I'm great. How are you guys? Excellent. So when we first put the call out that we were doing this series of uh, movies that inspired Stranger Things... Pretty much immediately, Faith reached out and she's like, I take dibs on the Goonies. So <laughs> we we put you down in that slot right away and uh, have been anticipating this movie uh, coming our way for several months. So I'm so glad that we, today is the day that we get to talk about the Goonies. Yes. And I won't have people rolling their eyes at me for talking about the Goonies for hours. It's totally fun. <laughs> so I take it since you love the Goonies so much, I don't want to give away your age, but you, you must be a child of the 80s. I am. Yeah. And that's Definitely. Funny. Most of us are that love the Goonies. I mean, there are obviously, it's one of those, obviously, cult following. It, most generations will find something they can identify with it. But for most people who really, really love it to the level that you do and and even to the level that I do, because I don't think I match your level, most of us are, are 80s kids. So Yes, I am definitely 80s kid. Right. You're just born in the wrong decade. It was that's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to be fun because I don't think there's any doubt. Even if you take out the Bob character played by Sean Astin, even if you take out the obvious reference that he laid out in season two, which we will get to, there's no doubt that the fingerprints of the Goonies are all over Stranger Things. Maybe the most influential movie. And we'll obviously we'll we'll dig into some of those details. But what do you think? Is is there one more influential than this one? Not really. Like I mean when I watched it the first time through it was like Goonies, Goonies, Goonies. That's all I was thinking. It had mm-hmm. the same vibe as the Goonies. And I'm like, this is probably why I love it. Because yeah. it's the Goonies. Yeah. 
So Faith, probably a lot of people who are listening know exactly who you are. You are no stranger. You're not a newcomer to Golden Spiral Media and the, the community that we've built here. But I'm sure there are some who don't know you. And I want to make sure that even if they do know of you, they they understand how they can connect with some of the cool stuff that you're doing. So uh, if you don't mind, just kind of take a couple minutes and tell us about the work you do for your day job, because I think that's pretty cool. And uh, please tell us about the podcast and any of those relevant things things that are out there with what you're doing. Okay. Um, my day job is as an editor and writer. I'm a freelancer. I edit music videos and commercials. And right now I'm working on a little mini doc series for a company called dogood.org. So I'm covering documentaries on volunteers in Nashville. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, and I also write short films and have one in the works that I'm hoping I can do in the next year or so. And I have my audio drama podcast, Boom, which I write and direct. And we're in season three, halfway through season three. So um, all of that is available wherever you listen to podcasts. We have a full cast. We do a whole crew thing. There's a lot of drama. It is not kid friendly. So <laughs> <laughs> probably older kids would be fine, but it is not like a family affair. <laughs> But it is tons of fun. Well, you know, if I could just take a moment and throw one of our listeners, one of our, um, uh, we have mutual listeners. And if I could just take a moment and throw one of them under the bus. Uh, I was talking to one earlier this week uh, whose initials are Mark Decote. And <laughs> he was upset that you have... Uh, gone from a weekly release to an every other week release because oh, yeah. the, the audio drama is so good that he can't stand to wait the extra time and that you're forcing him to wait. So, you know, I just wanted to take a moment mostly and throw him under the bus. So, yeah, there you go. I'm going to, I'm going to say the same about Jeff Gentry. He said the same thing. <laughs> he was like, I don't like that it's every two weeks, but I'll get used to it. I do have to say that I would love to do weekly, but man, it has been a relief for me and Joshua Sui, who's my um, sound designer for us to have extra time to get everything done. So I bet. I mean, it is extremely well done. I am not at, at all close to being caught up with it. So I, I don't even know the most recent parts of the story, um, but it is really well done. It's exceptional. So please check it out. It's called Boom and it's you can find it wherever podcasts are found. Yes. Searching Boom Serial will get it for you. Like, you know, serial killer, not serial Lucky Charms. Oh, yeah. I was thinking Serial Lucky Charms. You probably were specifically <laughs> thinking Lucky Charms. No, I was just thinking Serial in general, actually. Okay. <laughs> well, that's not to say the podcast isn't magically delicious, though. You don't eat podcasts, Dad. Sometimes. Wait, do you? <laughs> okay. You can consume them, though. Oh. oh see? <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into some news. So we've got three stories to share with you today. The first one is that there is a new Stranger Things season three teaser video, and the video includes episode titles. Now, just as a, this is a very minor spoiler warning, I am one of those that tries to avoid uh, episode titles, but in this case, I have chosen not to avoid episode titles, and that's for two reasons. Uh, the primary reason is 
we're so dang far away from when the uh, the season actually comes out. I know me. I'll forget 90% of these before the season ever rolls around. Um, and the second reason <laughs> I try to avoid episode titles is that typically they come out when uh, we're recording our, our season for that. And you know me, I like to take it an episode at a time. And so I don't want to read episode titles because I'm in the midst of creating theories and things like that. And I don't want to be tipped off by something. And again, since we're so far away from recording our season three, I don't really feel like that's a, you know, a barrier that I need to impose upon myself. So if if you disagree with that and you want to stay spoiler free, then probably skip ahead a minute or so while we cover this particular article. So this is from The Verge, and it says Stranger Things will return to Netflix for its third season in 2019. And a new teaser for the upcoming season has provided dedicated fans with new information to dig into. The teaser includes all eight episode titles. Netflix has done this in the past with Stranger Things. And like those teasers, the episode titles are pretty innocuous. It's going to take some real sleuthing to figure out what each episode refers to, with the exception of one overall theme. Earlier this year, Stranger Things creators Ross and Matt Duffer hinted that Starcourt Mall would play a big role in the third season, which takes place during the summer of 1985. So... Um, there are a couple of titles that we'll cover here in a second. Uh, they insinuate that we'll catch our favorite preteens hanging out at the local mall, probably battling some kind of demonic creature from the upside down. And so here are the full episode titles, and there are, of course, eight of them. Number one, Susie, do you copy? Number two, the mall rats. Number three, the case of the missing lifeguard. Number four, the sauna test. Number five, the source. Number six, the birthday. Number seven, the bite. And number eight, the battle of Starcourt. So, yeah, I think those are pretty innocuous. I mean, Mall Rats, that was a movie from the 80s, if I remember right. I don't remember anything about the movie. I think it was early 90s, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the rest of those, I mean, the bite is intriguing. I mean, that for me, when we think about a show like this, that kind of makes me think that someone's going to get bitten. And then when you get bitten, wow. you turn into the creature, right? So that would fit right in. But I don't want to assume too much because it could be a, you know, misleading title on purpose. I don't, I don't really get anything out of these. What about you guys? I'm not sure. I think it would be interesting if it all takes place in one day. Oh. What if they're at the mall and like every episode is just them like dealing with this one thing at the mall and then it comes down to the battle at the end? That's kind of cool. Like Paul Blart, mall cop shows up in his little. <laughs> <laughs> is that like jumping the shark at all? Yes. That probably that would, would be, be jumping the shark. <laughs> yeah. All right, fine. Or jumping the Demogorgon. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Addie, do you get anything out of these titles? Eh, I mean. I remember the like whenever the season two titles came out, they didn't really like mean anything until you watched it. Mm -hmm. So they don't really mean anything like right now. But like, I feel like once like I watch the new episodes, I like immediately put it together like why they chose the title. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's article number one. Um. Stranger Things Season 3 is getting its own game. This comes from Polygon.com. A new Stranger Things game is coming and will follow the story of the upcoming season, and its first trailer was revealed during the Game Awards on Thursday night. 
Oh yeah, you were watching this. Mm-hmm. It was funny. You came in right as they were doing it, so we 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 were fa- uh, facebooking, more like YouTubing it, and so we rewound it and got to watch this pretty much live as they revealed it. Yeah, your timing was great. Sorry, I interrupted your article. <clears throat> as I was saying, Dad, uh, Stranger Things three, the game will be a sixteen bit top down action game that lets players take control of the series main cast throughout the events of the upcoming third season of the popular Netflix science fiction show. It's not entirely clear what exactly this plot will be, with the day being saved at the end of the last season, but there's always more trouble in the town of Hawkins, Indiana, just around the corner, so there are sure to be plenty of dark creatures from the Upside Down to battle. With the show itself being a love letter to the 80s, it's no surprise that the latest game will adopt the style of the games from around the same time. The games didn't come with an official release date, but it's likely that it will be released closer to when the show's next season debuts on Netflix sometime in 2019. So, Faith, did you get a chance to see the uh, the teaser that they put out for this game? Uh, not for the game, no. Okay. But it looks, but it sounds like, I mean, 16-bit game. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, it's basically the style of an N64 game. I'm sorry, in a Super Nintendo game. Um, kind of that three-quarter top-down, the graphics, you know, where the graphics of the first game were more of the NES then when now we've, you know, because we've progressed in time. So I don't know when the Super Nintendo came out, but anyway, the graphics. I don't remember either. More like that. So it looks <laughs> That'd good. be cool. I wonder if it'll be um, spoilery like the other game. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I will come up with some outlandish theories based on the game that they then change right. the game and make me look like I'm completely a lunatic. Probably. Yeah. That's their entire point. Yeah, they did that just to spite me, I'm sure. Eddie, you saw the trailer. What do you? What were your thoughts on the game? It looked kind of like the game that's already out, except it was more like better it was like a better quality mm-hmm. and i noticed that there was um joyce yeah joyce seems to be a playable character this time so i wonder last time we just got to play as the kids and then you meet max that was the add-on that they added uh, closer to the season right or was she max there the whole time i don't remember I don't know. but this time at least you got some of the adults oh well you got to play as hopper last time oh yeah 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 it'll be interesting did he dance because if Hopper didn't dance in the game, then I don't see the point. <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent uh, observation. I don't think he did dance. Oh, boo. Uh, he should have. Yeah. yeah. It turned into such a big meme. Yeah. <laughs> I watched it way too many times. It's slightly embarrassing. That's all right. We, we, you know, there's nothing but love for that sort of devotion here, Faith. There's no judgment. We've all been there. We all do it. We may not admit it, but we do it. <laughs> that's good. All right. You want to hit us, uh, oh, take us home turn. with this uh, third story here? Okay. Um, Stranger Things star Millie Bobby Brown is now UNICEF's youngest ever goodwill ambassador. This is from CNN.com. Millie Bobby Brown, the 14-year-old British actress best known for her role in Stranger Things, has been named UNICEF's newest goodwill ambassador. She will be the youngest person to ever hold that title. As ambassador, she will be tasked with raising awareness around children's rights and issues such as violence, poverty, bullying, and the lack of education in many areas. 
I will speak out for the millions of children and young people whose voices have been silenced for far too long, Brown said during a news conference Tuesday. I will shine a light on the issues that vulnerable children and young people have suffered around the world, including representing them at places where they haven't yet had a seat at the table. And most of all, I will make sure children and young people know their rights. Uh, Brown said she shares the title with a hero of mine, the late great Audrey Hepburn, who once said, as you grow older, you will discover that you have two hands, one for helping others and one for helping yourself. And that's exactly what I intend to do. That's pretty awesome. I love those quotes that they that they brought in from her. You know, when I first saw this article, I was like, okay, well, I'm not sure what that means. And then I read through it and I got really excited. Um, sounds like she's got a really good heart for the work that she's going to be doing there. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Yeah. I can't believe she's doing this now at 14. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it really is. All right. Well, that's uh, the news we have for this week. Let's get into talking about the Goonies. Ooh. I've heard of that movie. All right. So we are talking The Goonies, which released on June 7th, 1985. The budget was $19 million, and the box office brought in $61.5 million. And I have to admit, you know, last month we started bringing in Rotten Tomatoes because it caught my eye that Aliens had a 100% fresh score, or maybe it was 99. And so I thought the Goonies would have a really, really high score. And I was quite surprised when I saw that the Rotten Tomatoes score is 70%. That's embarrassing. That's yeah. too low. What is wrong with people? Oh, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pretend that's a typo. Should have been a 90% fresh. Yeah. That would be more accurate. Um, we've got quite a few awards here. Um, Addie, you want to take the one? And uh, Faith, I'll let you take the nominated if you don't mind. Okay. Okay. Um, Saturn Award for Best Supporting Actress, Anne Ramsey. Youth in Film Awards for Best Starring Performance by a Young Actor in a Motion Picture, Sean Astin. Um, it was nominated for Youth in Film Awards for Best Family Motion Picture, Adventure. Uh, Youth in Film Awards for Exceptional Performance by a Young Actor in a Motion Picture for Corey Feldman. Uh, Youth in Film Awards for Exceptional Performance by a Young Actor in a Motion Picture, Jeff B. Cohen. And Youth in Film Awards for Exceptional Performance by a Young Actress in a Motion Picture, Martha Plimpton. All right. And in case you haven't seen the movie or you need a synopsis, uh, here is the synopsis from IMDb. It says Mikey Walsh and Brandon Walsh are brothers whose family is preparing to move because developers want to build a golf course in the place of their neighborhood unless enough money is raised to stop the construction of the golf course. And that's quite doubtful. But when Mikey stumbles upon a treasure map of the famed One-Eyed Willie's hidden fortune, Mikey, Brandon, and their friends Lawrence Chunk Cohen, Clark Mouth Devereaux, Andrea Andy Carmichael, Stephanie Steph Steinbrenner, and Richard Data Wang, calling themselves the Goonies, set out on a quest to find the treasure in hopes of saving their neighborhood. The treasure is in a cavern, but the entrance to the cavern is under the restaurant of evil thief Mama Fratelli and her sons Jake and Francis, and the severely disfigured Lotney Sloth Fratelli. Sloth befriends the Goonies and decides to help them. That's a pretty good synopsis. It doesn't give too much away. Sometimes it gives the whole thing yeah. away. So 
All right, Addie, uh, why don't you give us who the stars are, even though I kind of named a lot of the characters. Okay, so Sean Astin plays Bob. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, no, he plays he plays Mikey in, in this movie. Josh Berlin as Bran, Jeff Cohen as Chunk, Corey Feldman as Mouth, Carrie Green as Andy, Martha Plimpton as Steph, Ki Hoi Khan as uh, Data, John Matutsak as Sloth, Robert Davi as Jake. And okay, I can't pronounce this either. Just call him Joey Pants. <laughs> Just call him Joey Pants. It's fine. <laughs> All right, Joey Pants as Francis. <laughs> How do you actually say that though? I want to know. <laughs> Pantolo, uh, Pantoliano. Wait. Oh, yeah. Pantoliano. Pantoliano. Okay, Joe Pantoliano as Francis. <laughs> That was still wrong. I don't care. <laughs> That's why you call him Joy Pants. I'm walking out of this. <laughs> well, and the reason I, I knew how to pronounce John's name was because they, like when he played for the Raiders or the NFL, they play, they called him the Toots. So it's Matoots, Matootsack. That's where they got the Toots from. Okay, I'm just going to restart the Joe one. Okay. <laughs> Joe Pantoliano as Francis. Was that better? That's good. <laughs> and Anne Ramsey as Mama Fratelli. Now, Faith, being a child of the 80s, I don't know if you feel the same way I do about Anne Ramsey, but she died way too young. And she oh, yeah. is, she was just, I mean, I remember her from so many great movies. I say so many. I mean, the two that really come to mind are Throw Mama from the Train and this one. But yes. she she had that role. And maybe she was typecast, but I didn't care. She was so good in everything that I saw. I saw her in other things, too. But those are the two that rise to the top when I think of her. And I wish that there were more movies that I wish she hadn't died. I think she died within four years of the filming of this movie. So. I think it was yeah. only three years after. It might have been. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty soon after. Yeah. Uh, but Joey Pants is because the kids in this movie couldn't say his last name either, Addie. So that's why they called him Joey Pants. <laughs> so <laughs> it's totally fine for you to call him that. Nice. <laughs> uh, you want to take that last section there, Faith? Oh, okay. Directed by Richard Donner. Uh, written by Chris Columbus, the screenplay. And the story was by Steven Spielberg. And the composer was David Grusin. Wait, I didn't. I didn't know Christopher Columbus was a writer. Thought um, he was a, a explorer from the 1400s. Well, he discovered the Fountain of Youth and uh, was still alive in the 1980s to write the screenplay for this. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same guy, I'm sure. <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into our kind of general thoughts about the film and our favorite moments of the film. And of course, we have to let Faith go first. So uh, let's hear it. Okay. So if you haven't figured out by now, this is one <laughs> of my favorite films of all time. It is in my top five, um, right behind Princess Bride. So Princess Bride, nice. then The Goonies, uh -huh. then The Sound of Music, uh -huh. Parenthood, and Silence of the Lambs. I know that's the black sheep of them, but that's fine. <laughs> those are all great <laughs> movies, though. They're all yeah. excellent movies. Yeah. And The Goonies is one of those movies when people are like, I don't like The Goonies that I really have to think mm -hmm. if I like that person or not. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I just don't understand. <laughs> it's not something that makes any sense to me why somebody doesn't like The Goonies, but that's okay. Um, one of my favorite moments 
which is kind of weird, I think, because most people don't like this moment. But when they're in the well underwater and Mouth stands up with that coin and he's like, but this is my wish and I'm taking it back. I love that moment. The whole look of the scene, water streaming down Corey Feldman's face and how angry he is. I was like, yeah, that's that's always the moment I think of. And the commentary. I don't know if you guys have listened to the commentary. No. It is absolutely one of the best commentaries. It's the entire cast. Okay. They're sitting in a room and they're talking about the movie and halfway through it, it gets kind of MST3K. Okay. And they're kind of just in the corner talking while the movie's playing. It's great. And seeing them all as adults and all together is pretty cool. I would like to check that out. Is that only available on the DVD? I'm pretty sure. Okay. I, yeah, we have the DVD, so you wouldn't even have to get the Blu-ray. And for some reason, the DVD is like, you know, $4 okay. before you find it. But yeah, it's a great commentary. And they even talk about wanting to get back together to do another one. And I know there have been rumors for years of doing another Goonies, but I don't know how I'd feel about it if I did another yeah. one. It would have to be the kids. Like, I wouldn't, I couldn't see it being redone, but maybe, you know, coming back and their kids go on some sort of adventure. Yeah, that would be cool. I watched something on Amazon Prime. We rented the movie on Amazon Prime, but they also have like a half hour, not even a documentary. It's really just talking with a, a lot of the cast and the director and some other, a couple of other people. Um, but it's it's like the Fratelli brothers and uh, Chunk and Mikey and gosh, who all... Data's not on there. Anyway, it's it's a good smattering of them. Spielberg is not on there, but the director is. And But at the end of it, the director said, you know, we're doing... Uh, the sequel will come in way of a musical, like a Broadway musical. Oh, and we're crazy. Her hiring a producer and a director now. And so you could tell by the film quality that this was not new. And at the very end, sure enough, right, it so gave a copyright of 2010. So I guess that still didn't, <laughs> you know, hey, I guess it they felt confident be. enough to put it out there into the world, but then nothing happened. Right. Yeah. So, just unfortunate. <laughs> Maybe one day. I hope so. All right, Addie, what about you? Okay. The first time I watched the movie, I remember that there was like a dead body in the freezer and that scared me. So I managed to close my eyes during that part. <laughs> and I also remember that there was one like in the trunk whenever um, Chunk went to go get help. Mm -hmm. So I also closed my eyes during that part. But other than that, I really liked the movie. And um, like some of my favorite scenes were when uh, Mouth was translating what the mom <laughs> was saying. And um, when Andy accidentally kissed Mikey thinking it was um, the, the brother. Yeah whatever his name was i just thought those were funny and then uh like one of the jokes like totally flew over my head whenever like i watched it the first time and it was whenever they dropped the statue and that one part <laughs> fell off and they were like that's my mom's favorite piece and according to mom we asked why it was her favorite piece and mom and like our mom said uh, I don't know, but I, I don't remember asking that. It was probably Colby because I know everything. Yeah. Well, you guys were, were fairly young when we watched it the first time. So, yeah, I had forgotten about that until Carrie brought it up. So, yeah, our two young kids, they're like, why was that the mom's favorite piece? And, you right. Know, yeah. 
move along. <laughs> but now the kids are older and they fully understand that on their own. <laughs> School. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Mm, that's all I can think of. Okay. Um, well, for me, you know, this, I'm like Faith. This was a, a just a, a, a pillar of my, my childhood. And I can remember just loving this movie as a kid and everyone talking about, we'll get into that, some of that stuff, uh, those, those moments uh, a little bit later. So there's a lot of favorite moments for me, but if I had to narrow it down, I would just say anytime data pulls out a gadget because, and it was, I think part of the reason I like them so much is because you never knew if it was going to work or not. I, and I love that they didn't make it so that his gadgets always worked and they didn't make it so that his gadgets always screwed up. It was, it was a crapshoot of whether or not they were going to work or not. And which made those even that much more enjoyable. And of course, when he, at the end, when his dad pulls out the camera and, and you see, he gets it from his dad and that, that moment. So that, that was a nice payoff at the end. Um, I like just the overall sense of adventure. And I'll talk more about that when we get to um, you know, memories from our childhood or memories from the first time we watched it. But that sense of, a sense of adventure that comes along, I didn't, yeah, it's outlandish, but at the same time, I felt like maybe this could happen in my small yeah. town, you know? And I think that they captured that really well. Any moment with Sloth and Chunk was wonderful. There were some deleted scenes too that kind of showed that relationship. You know, it seems like they kind of come out of nowhere and say, I love you. And if you, you can understand that even with the context of the movie, but with some of the deleted scenes, it becomes even more clear as to why they developed that relationship. So, but they were great together. Um, Chunk was great on his own. Sloth was great on his own. Combine the two. And it's like a little mini Voltron. It's just even better. Um, and and speaking of Chunk, you know, his confession scene is just, I'm laughing out loud. And I've seen the thing like 20 times and I still laugh out loud. As soon as he starts into it, well, when I was third grade or whatever it is, you know, just like, because, you know, that's not at all what they meant. And he's just, yeah. It so was, great. It's so great. And they don't, like what cracks me up too is like, because the way it's edited and you, you go back and forth between the Goonies and, and Chunk and the Goonies and Chunk. And he's like in sixth grade and they haven't stopped him to correct him. They're just like allowing themselves to be tortured by this. And it's such a good, the way it's edited makes it even better. And, and his acting is great and just the silliness of it. So I love that. Okay. So, um, circling back around to some of the things I alluded to, memories uh, from the first time you saw this film. And Addie, uh, let's start with you this time. All right. So, I already said the the creepy dead guy in the freezer in the trunk. Yeah. And then I remembered Mouth being, like, really funny. And, like, I remembered the scene where he was, like, translating. And then I remember the first time we watched it, there was, like, a whole bunch of, like, them being in water. And I was like, yeah, this could never happen today because, you know, we all have phones and they would be completely ruined. So, yeah, you can't have this kind of adventure now. Yeah, I remember you pointing that out back then. Yeah. I meant to say when you were chatting a minute ago about your, your favorite moments from the film. It was cool because Addie's a sophomore now and she's taken four years of Spanish. No, way more than that. Oh, wait. So sorry. <laughs> I've been taking Spanish since like four, fourth grade. Okay. So six years. Okay. Well, so your Spanish is pretty good. And so we were able to ask her like, hey, you know, is what the lady's saying, is that 
really what's being said? Because, you know, the, they they put the translation on the screen for us so that we could know just what mouth was doing, like how far off mouth was. And um, so, yeah, we were kind of able to tap into Addie and, and kind of she was able to tell us, yeah, that's exactly what's being said. So good job, Addie. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Any other uh, memories from the first time you watched the film you want to bring up? Um, no. You already, you already mentioned the statue part, so <laughs> I didn't. I didn't actually remember that. That's true. That was, you did say that. <laughs> um, for me, okay, and I mentioned this either last month or the month before, and that is, you know, I was born in '76, so I was nine years old when this came out. We probably saw it on video when it came out, although this is a type of film we may have gone to the movie to see. We didn't do a whole lot of movies, but we may have we may have seen this. Um, but either way, I saw it when I was nine. And we my 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 stepbrother was one year younger than me. My actual brother was two years younger than me, so we were all a year apart. And we were huge into WWF, which is now WWE. And there was a huge crossover between the Cindy Lauper video, Goonies Are Good Enough, and the WWF guys. You had Rowdy Roddy Piper and um, Captain Lou Albano and the Iron Sheik. And I can't remember what the Russian wrestler's name was. And then Cindy Lauper would actually go on to the wrestling, the WWF show that would come on each week. And it was just this huge crossover and we were big into wrestling. And so that made this whole thing like even cooler for me. And totally, we watched the video last night, the the whole 12 minute oh two part video of the Goonies are good enough. And it was, it was so over weird. and we were like, what did we just watch? <laughs> what was that? And at the, as a kid, I just thought it was the coolest thing. And now I look at it, I'm like, I'm not sure what that was. <laughs> <laughs> so that was neat because I don't think I'd seen that video in like 25 30 years. Oh my whatever. gosh, I haven't seen it in forever. I should go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And honestly, there's so then I got to reading about some of the some of the deleted scenes you can watch online. Some of the deleted scenes were lost forever and but you can read about them. We'll cover some of those I think. I'm not sure how many of them I've actually put into the fun facts section. But there are pieces of that that made more sense. Like there's a part where the skeleton points the direction for Cindy to escape and I just said, okay, that's whatever. But that actually ties into the movie, but that part was cut out of the movie. There's a part where they have to do a thing then, and then triggers the skeleton to point them into the direction they need to go. And that never made it into the final final part of the movie. So anyway, it's interesting. And it's out there on YouTube. It's in two parts. Make sure you watch both parts to get the full experience. <laughs> and it's weird. <laughs> it's very weird. But I remember that as a kid and just being totally into that. Um, the truffle shuffle, I can remember, you know, that became a thing at school is, you know, probably picking on the chubby kids to do the truffle shuffle, or at least telling them they need to do the truffle shuffle or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then going back to that sense of adventure that I mentioned that this film kind of conjured up is legit wanting to find a treasure map. I just thought that would be so cool to find a treasure map and go 
explore. I can remember being at a family reunion one time and someone mentioned you could take these, these sticks, you know, like a forked stick and find water. Do you ever heard of that? Oh yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. And and I was, and so I can remember this, this kid, we walked around this, the property of whoever's house we were at, you know, with this family reunion, trying to find water. It's the stupidest thing, but that's that those go in hand because I think what I liked about that was the the sense of adventure in that we might find something. You know, there's something out there that that people don't even know is there if you just find the right spot. And and I I think every kid has that 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 you know using your imagination and just kind of letting that take you wherever. And wanting to find pirate treasure is like the coolest conceptualization of that. So I don't know. This movie as a kid, I just thought it was, it hit on all cylinders for me. And a lot of that nostalgia keeps me going with it today, but you know, it, it it's just a really fun movie from my childhood for sure. I love it a lot. Um, my biggest thing, which is so weird, but it's okay. Um, I have asthma and it was really bad when I was a kid. I couldn't, I couldn't go to PE. I couldn't do a whole lot of stuff. And most people don't know it's autoimmune. So I was also allergic to a lot of things and seeing a movie with a kid who had asthma, who wasn't like this little weenie kid who kept getting beaten up. Cause that was like the favorite go-to in the eighties was mm-hmm. the kid who got bullied was the kid with asthma. And I love that Mikey had asthma, but was still like the leader of the Goonies and was the one who did all of the treasure hunting and kept like moving his friends along. And I was like, yeah, asthmatic kid, you're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I remember thinking that was like the best part of the movie. I was like, this is so cool. And he even like uses his inhaler during the movie. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. had an inhaler much like Mikey's inhaler. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I was definitely all about trying to find the treasure and finding maps and making my own. Um, I grew up in Franklin, Tennessee, which if you guys know your civil war history is a huge battleground. The whole city is basically just one giant civil war battleground. So there's um, a bunch of protected land all over Franklin and a lot of it's behind the house I grew up in. And we used to, my friends and I would go into the woods and like search for things because we're like, maybe we'll find something from like, you know, an old like bullet or something from the Civil War. So that's like I would spend my days. We would just go into the woods and be gone for hours and hours looking for things in the woods. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to make a treasure map. We'll find something and I'll make a map. Yeah. My mom probably didn't like that. I watched the that That's so cool, though. I mean, I'm jealous that you actually grew up in an area where you had so much history that you could, you know, tap into your imagination and think it's actually there. I mean, I might strike oil where I live, which would be okay. I mean, you know, Jed Clampett did pretty well with that, but I never found any even any of that either. So, yeah. Oh, and then Cindy Lauper for sure. Oh, yeah. Like. Good Enough is one of the best songs. And I remember thinking, I love this song. And then listening to everything by Cindy Lauper and falling in love with her. And um, for, I can't remember, I feel like it was my fourth grade talent show. I did a dance routine. Oh, <laughs> to really? Girls just went on. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because I love Cindy Lauper so much, yeah. Well, I think we need to get that recreated and <laughs> add that onto our website. I'll let my girls do it. They'll okay. do it. I love your girls. I, I meant to mention that off the top. Um, your girls have, uh, I've, I think I first connected with, I mean, I knew who they were because of our friendship, but 
obviously when they started calling in and adding their voices to stuff I learned yesterday, I quickly fell in love with them. And uh, finally, I promised them ice cream. And I finally got to come through on that promise and meet all of you guys and your husband in person a few months ago and buy them ice cream. Are they the ones that drew the picture? Yeah. This picture, matter of fact, I've got it right here. Oh, sweet. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So I've kept it right here by my by my computer the entire time since I brought it I'll home. I'll have to let them know. Yeah, yeah, they were. I told them that I was going to be in my office, and they were like, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I'm talking to Daryl." And they're like, "Oh my gosh!" They got. <laughs> well, tell them I said hi, and your husband <laughs> too. I don't want to leave him out. <laughs> yeah, Tim's a great guy. So you have such a wonderful family, and uh, oh, thank yeah, you. It's so cool to to meet you guys in person. Um, okay, well, let's get into fun facts uh, about this film. Uh, looks like I'm up first. So, according to Sean Astin, he was allowed to keep the treasure map used in the film. Several years later, his mother, who was Patty Duke, uh, discovered it, thought it was just a crinkled piece of paper, and threw it in the trash. No! <laughs> I would be so mad. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, we should start a quest. We should go on an adventure to find the lost uh, treasure map from the Goonies. Oh my gosh, that's awful. Like, how how dare she throw it away? Like, she should have at least recycled it. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been before recycling was really a thing. Oh, that's awful. The pirate ship was entirely real. All the shots were filmed in the ship. After the film, it was offered to anyone who would take it. No one wanted it, so the ship was scrapped. Who wouldn't want it? Like, now that'd be worth, like, so much. I know, but where would you put it? Um, have you ever seen Despicable Me? And how how the dude who stole the pyramid, he just, like, painted it with clouds. You could just do that. You're right. I wish I had thought of that. Yeah, you should have been there to help them realize how they could, yeah. Or, like, you don't even need a house. Just live in that. Live in the ship. That's true. <laughs> okay. That seems great. <laughs> um, uh, one-eyed Willie's ship, the Inferno, was 105 feet long and took two and a half months to construct. It was modeled after Errol Flynn's ship in the Seahawk from 1940. The sails required more than 7,000 square feet of material. That's insane. The largest measured 30 by 60 feet. Some of the ship's riggings were recycled for the Pirates of the Caribbean ship at Disneyland, which was being renovated at the time. That's cool. I wonder if they're still in use there or if they've, you know, had to replace them since then. You'd think they would have replaced them by now. Yeah, you would think so. But at the same time, it would be cool if at least there was something that you could go see that was left over from that. Um, Okay. The Goonies Oath, which was actually cut out of the film... Uh, is as follows. I will never betray my goondock friends. We will stick together until the whole world ends. Through heaven and hell and nuclear war, good pals like us will stick like tar. In the city or the country or the forest or the boonies, I am proudly declared a fellow goonie. That's pretty cool. I wish they'd left that in the film. That's nice. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay, the screenplay was written by Chris Columbus, not to be confused with Christopher Columbus, who also wrote Gremlins in 1984. There is an Easter egg to Gremlins. When Chunk calls the police, the the officer says, this call is like the prank about creatures that would multiply when you threw water on them. Did you catch that reference? Yeah, and then you pointed it out. 
I just want to make sure. <laughs> uh, this film, rightfully so, was selected into the National Film Registry in 2017 for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. I would go with cultural and historical. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, in the original version of the film, Mikey's mother hires a Hispanic woman named Rosalita, who's played by Lupe Ondeveros. And Mouth helps Mrs. Walsh by translating her commands into Spanish. Well, in the Spanish version of the film, Rosalita becomes an Italian woman named Rosanna. And the Italian used by the Spanish dubber is much better than the Spanish used by Corey Feldman. Dang. It's calm. But I, you know, I wouldn't have thought of that. Like, what do they do in the Spanish version? Because that, that shtick doesn't, it doesn't make, it doesn't work unless we're talking about two different languages. And so I'm glad right. they, they thought and kind of reworked that so that it worked for you the Spanish audience. You know how in audience. Toy Story, um, Buzz Lightyear switched to Spanish for yeah, a little bit? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. In, in the Spanish version, it's still in Spanish. Like, it so, like, there's no joke there. It doesn't make any sense. Oh. Yeah, see, exactly. you got to switch the language so the joke sticks. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, the novelization of the movie confirms that Chunk's parents actually do adopt Sloth, going so far as to throw him a bar mitzvah. <laughs> um, in the final sequence, when the police and reporters are asking the kids what they went through in their journey, one of the kids describes them fighting a giant octopus. In the final cut of the film, that line was left in, but the scene of them fighting the octopus was cut from the final film. Oh, yeah. Um, Data was on that said that they fought an octopus. Yeah. So yeah. I got to be honest, Faith, I, I purposefully put this in the notes so that you'd be the one reading this because <laughs> there's a comment, which we'll get to when we get to our listener feedback section, where someone mentions the octopus, the deleted scenes. And at that point, I was like, I didn't know deleted scenes existed for this one. I mean, of course they do, but I had never thought about it. And then you, uh, you if I'm not mistaken, came in and we're talking about the octopus scene. Yeah. Yeah. So it was clearly a scene that you were already aware of. So um, let's, let's just pause here and talk about this scene. I have now seen it, I think, have three times. <laughs> Addie has seen it. But you already knew about it. So please, right. please be first in sharing your thoughts on this deleted scene. Okay, so confession time. I totally understand why it was cut. <laughs> it's kind of horrible. Oh, good. I was. I told Carrie. I said this is going to go one of two ways: either the nostalgia is going to be there, and she's like, "Yeah, it's great," or or the reality is going to be there, and she's going to be like, "No, it's terrible." It's such a terrible scene. <laughs> It's so bad. It reminds me of going on like one of those adventure tours at a theme park and it's the animatronic thing that comes yes. out of the water. It goes, goes away. It's so bad. I'm happy it was cut out, but and that was a lot too. And it makes no sense. Like there's a part where Data pulls out a cassette player, like an old Walkman type of thing, and puts it into the mouth beak of the octopus, and the octopus and it's playing music, even yes. though it's underwater. <laughs> So and the octopus seems to like start dancing to the music, which allows them to get a. It's just horrible. It's bad. Yeah, it's so bad. It's on YouTube, so if you haven't seen it, just go in Goonies deleted scenes. You'll find about a six minute video that shows that one and a few others, and it's it's worth your time for sure. Addie, what do you think? Yeah, I'm glad they cut it from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it it wasn't. 
that good com- compared to the rest of the movie, and I'm glad they left it out. We're all in agreement. Okay. Oh, I'm next. Um, <laughs> sorry. Director, director Richard Donner wanted an authentic reaction from the kids when they saw Willie's ship for the first time, so they didn't get to see it until it was time to shoot. And Mom said that last night. She did. Yeah, that was pretty well known, but it's definitely one we want to make sure everyone knows. That's really cool. I, there's another little thing. I'm not sure which one of us would read it uh, about the map, and I just think that that's really clever when directors... Rather than trying to make the kids act, just get those authentic reactions out of them. It's so much smarter. Yes. Did we say that at the same time? I think so. Wow. We're like (laughs) twins now. Oh Um, my gosh. (laughs) At the end, where all the families are reunited, Jeff Cohen's mom plays Chunk's mom. Wow, that's cool. The film, which took five months to produce, was shot almost entirely in sequence, a rare feat in filmmaking. And just as a side note, the reason it was shot in order was Richard Donner wanting as realistic reactions from them for them to go along the story in order. So, yeah. Well, I this is another one that I wanted you to to take the lead on because you're a filmmaker and I didn't know if you'd have any. I know you the types of films aren't you're not doing like feature length films, but as a filmmaker, I didn't know if you had any in put or insight on you know how that type of shooting compares to the approach that would normally be taken or anything i mean well for a feature film and for something that's going back to the same sets a lot this seems like a lot because you know they're in the house and you would want to shoot all the stuff in the house and then be on the ship and shoot all the stuff in the ship and you know be in your locations so the fact that they are at you know, locations at different points in time, it seems like it would be really hard to go back and forth. So I assume it wasn't entirely mm-hmm. shot in sequence to save money because no crew wants to do that. But, you know, I tend to try to shoot chronologically as much as possible because it does keep the emotions up for your actors. But, you know, sometimes money and time is more important. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I was hoping you'd have some insight. Um, okay, here's the one I alluded to earlier. Uh, to get a more naturalistic performance. Naturalistic? I would think natural is the proper word there. Okay, then say that. I'm going to say natural performance out of <laughs> Sean Aston in the scene where he tells his fellow Goonies about the legend of One-Eyed Willie. Donner had the child actor improvise in an offbeat way. So he simply told Aston the story moments before they shot and then he had the actor tell it back to him as best as he could with the cameras rolling. Oh, yeah. Whenever I was reading through the notes earlier, yeah, earlier, um, and I saw, like, this one, I was like, yeah, there's no way I'd be able to remember all that. Mm-hmm. And again, I just think that's super clever. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get, but you're also, I mean, that's the way... I mean, that makes it more authentic because he's trying to tell a story that he heard years ago. So, yeah, I just think that's really clever. That's pretty cool. Sloth rips his jacket off to reveal a Superman t-shirt. The Goonies director, Richard Donner, also directed Superman in 1978. Wow, that was like a long time ago. I was two. Yeah, that's nice. I was like negative six months. Oh. <laughs> How old was I? Uh, I don't know. Negative yeah. a lot of this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I know how to say it, but I can't say it. So, John, 
Matutsak. There it is. Yeah, is that it? That's it. John Matutsak, who played Sloth, was the first overall pick in the 1973 NFL draft and won two Super Bowls with the Oakland Raiders before turning to acting. As a nod to Matutsak's former team, Sloth can be seen wearing a Raiders t-shirt early in the movie. Yeah, we talked earlier about how Anne Ramsey died, you know, fairly shortly after the film um, was made, within four years. And she was, I think, 59 when she passed away, if I remember right. John passed away, I think, two years after the film, at the age of 38. And uh, wow. that's, yeah, way too soon. He had a heart attack, so maybe he had a heart condition. That, it was like over uh, overdose. Was it an overdose? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't hear that. Oh, oh wow. Oh, that's really sad then. Yeah, so he he obviously died too soon, and that's so. But we, you know, we all loved his performance. So I think it's worth mentioning that this is um, one of the last things he got to do. All right, well, let's camp out here and talk about how this film ties into Stranger Things. Okay, so I put all of these notes in, and I came up with all these ideas. Okay, so um, I'm just gonna read them. So these are the ideas that are 100% mine. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so if it ties on the Stranger Things because um, kids riding bikes. Although this one's kind of weird to me because, as we all know, Stranger Things invented bikes. So I don't get how like they had bikes before then. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Um, Do you have any <laughs> memories from your childhood of going around our neighborhood riding your bike? No, because you sold it. <laughs> <laughs> she, I, she, I set her up for this. She loved. She called me out during the movie last night. She's like, "Dad, I wonder what that's like. They get to ride their bike around." There. So we were having a garage sale one time, and we had all these old bikes that they had outgrown, and I lost track of which ones were which. And I totally sold her bike, and she went to ride it. I don't know. Shortly thereafter, she's like, "Dad, where's my bike?" And I'm like, "It's in the garage." No, it's not. Yeah, I had sold her bike, so. Oh, my god! And I told her I would replace it. I never did. That's, she's still, of course, now she's 16, so she doesn't need a bike. I, I can drive. Yeah. Actually, no, I can't. You're like I, brand. You're 16 with no license. Okay. It's not because you failed your license. Yeah, it's because <laughs> I took driver's ed light and now I have to wait until February. Yeah. Um. Okay, so another one that I came up with. Um, kids off saving the day while parents are clueless. Yeah, that that's accurate. Um. Are you agreeing with yourself that what you wrote is accurate? Or yeah. are you stealing someone else's notes, attributing them to yourself, and then agreeing with someone else's note that you supposedly wrote <laughs> that it's accurate? What? No, this is all my, this is my content. Don't steal it, Dad. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the treasure map reference from Bob, um, he said, uh, what's the X, pirate treasure? Do you remember that from the show? No. Faith, do you? It was right before he was like, it's a map, and then went into it, right? That's right. In the show, Strange Things, yeah, he said it, like pirate treasure, and then he's yeah. like, oh, it's a map. Yep, that's exactly right. That sounds like something he would say, I just don't remember the exact scene. That's okay, sounds like I need to have faith as my co-host, not you. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so then, um, Dustin equals Chunk, but in, okay, Dustin, he's like more included with the group and not like called out for being like... I don't know, just like how Chunk has to like go off and do things by himself and he's always like left out or forgotten, but Dustin's not. I guess that's because they have like a smaller group. Could so be. like whenever there's like less people, you notice when someone's missing. But yeah. Yeah. And honestly, today, I don't, 
I don't know that you can, because Chunk kind of gets bullied by the other kids, like doing the truffle shuffle and stuff like that. I don't know that you really get to do that nowadays. And and that's probably a good thing. Um, at the same time, you know, the kids obviously love Chunk and, and give him a hard time for his weight is just part of what they do as friends. But I don't know. Would you, do you think we would get something like that today, Faith? I don't know if it would be about his weight. It'd probably be about other things. Like, I feel like close friends still make fun of each other. Totally. Or oh, yeah, something. we definitely do. Yeah. Definitely. I'm yeah. Nolan all the time. Yeah. 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 I One parallel that, that maybe I wrote in here, uh, maybe Addie did it and wants to take credit for it, is the, you know, Chunk finding the ice cream in the freezer and uh, is kind of reminding me of when Dustin, hey, guys, I found the chocolate pudding. Mike, I found the chocolate pudding. Yeah, yeah. You stole my um, content again, Dad. Oh, so sorry, <clears throat> So Mike is obviously Mikey because he's like the leader of the group and they have the same name, which means they're the same person. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I put in here that Nancy is the equivalent of Andy. How do you guys feel about that? Maybe season one, Nancy. Yeah. Because... Season two, she's more like out there and like helping. But in season one, she's just like this weak, fragile little thing. And that's kind of like Andy. Because like the only thing that I can actually remember Andy doing to help save the day is playing the piano. And she's still messed up. And like mom could have done that. Yeah, but I couldn't have. Meh. Mom could do that because she has a background in piano, just like Andy did. I play the piano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I think you I think you're right. Nancy from season 1. I the parallels that I see and Faith I want to get your thoughts on all this stuff too is um that she's kind of the cute girl that the you know the the lead guy who is Steve. I mean, yes, of course Jonathan's there too, but they're trying to hook up or whatever. And so um not that I see Steve and Troy as being the same person. I actually, we'll get to that in a minute, but I don't know. I kind of feel like she's closest to, to Andy. I don't know. Faith, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think that's accurate. And I think you could almost say that second season, Andy, second season, Andy, sorry. <laughs> second season, Nancy is kind of like what Andy ended up being by the end. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, she does this whole thing where I'm not a Goonie and, but then stays with them anyway. So mm -hmm. it's like this idea of like, Oh, wait, maybe I do need to be a part of this and fight with them. I don't know. Yeah, I like that. The, the girls kind of reminded me of like myself because they're hanging out with little kids. They're not like little, little kids, but like I'm friends with all of Colby's friends and I'm friends with Nolan's little brother's friends. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't really ever hang out with them just because like I don't have like the opportunity to. But like whenever I do, I'm like, all right, hi. And I'm not like, oh, you're like 12. I'm not going to hang out with you. And yeah, like they were willing to hang out with the kids. And like at first, um, Steph was like, I feel like I'm babysitting. But at the end, she like had fun and was like, yeah, that was that was just me hanging out with friends, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And speaking of Steph, um, I also put in that she is like Barb. And yeah, I can totally see that because she's like the smart one who like knows like the right thing to do like hey maybe we shouldn't do that she's like the mom friend of the group 
Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> yeah. And she's the friend of Andy. Andy's the one hooking up with the guy and she's having to, you know, support that, you know, try to lure <laughs> what ended up being Mikey over to kiss Andy. And when you were, you know, Barb kind of being the third wheel with Steve, again, back in st- season one, obviously, if we're talking Barb, but... um I, and they wore glasses. Did I mention the glasses thing already? Oh, yeah. I know, but yeah, it's like nearly the same glasses, I yeah. swear. Short hair. Yeah. Didn't Barb also break her glasses? Uh, I feel like once she was dragged to the upside down, she did. Maybe she did. I don't remember, though. And I I thought it was funny, like, how, like, after they all escaped, the first thing that Steph says to her parents is, I broke my glasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, it was a big, it's a big, I, I broke my glasses so many times and the dread of having to tell my, my parents that I broke my glasses is just. Then don't break uh, them. I know, but it's sometimes I've it was, never actually like hard. broken my glasses. Like one of them are like the black ones I used to wear. Mm-hmm. They just kind of fell apart. I don't really know how that happened. Yeah. I was literally, we had a, we had five acres. We mowed about two or maybe three of it. So we had a riding lawnmower and I'm literally out there mowing the grass, just sitting on the mower and my glasses break. And my dad's <laughs> like, what did you do? I'm like, I did nothing, dad. I was the vibrations from the mower, I guess. He's like, you had to have done something. Else. No, I swear. <laughs> I had the worst luck with glasses. Yeah. I was sitting like at lunch um, at the end of um, first semester last year. Mm-hmm. And... um yeah, just like the little thingy that keeps it like on your ear. It just came off. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't really have anything to fix it. And then I asked like the office I had super glue and like no one had super glue. So I just went the rest of the day like being half blind. But it was a good thing. It was like just final. So I was like looking at my own paper. Mm, that's good. <laughs> All right. Uh, next on your list, uh, your list, Addison. Oh, yeah. Um, Steve is brand because like... He, well, okay, kind of season, more season two. Yes. Steve, because he like babysits the kids and like stays with them and he's like a leader kind of, but at the same time, he still lets um, the Mike or Mikey mm-hmm. um, be the leader, but he's still like protecting them, making sure nothing bad happens, like standing up for them. Yeah. There's a really good deleted scene where they're in a uh, the store, the store, and Troy is about to punch Mikey, and Brand comes in. It's a great line. He's like, oh, yeah, "No yeah, one's yeah. allowed to hit my brother except me." me. <laughs> like, that's actually me. <laughs> totally true. That like you could totally beat the crap out of your siblings, and that's fine. But no one else better lay a hand on them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love my baby brother. I would never let anybody except for me punch them. Yeah. Him. <laughs> I can't say that. I think that would have been unfair. My brother's 10 years younger than I am. So <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah, that would, that would be a little harsh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I totally think, yeah. I mean, they're both kind of jocks. They both have the love interest. And you said, Eddie, they kind of take responsibility for the kids. But you're totally season two, Steve, not, not season one, Steve. That yeah, they both have great hair. Story. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And they both have uh, bandanas, although they wear them a little bit differently. Oh, yeah. 
Okay. Anybody else on your list there, Addison? Oh, yes. On my list, um, I also have Billy as Troy. I was confused whenever I put this in at first because I was like, wait, Troy is also a character in Stranger Things. So I forgot which side was the Stranger oh, yeah. Things. Yeah. Well, that Troy's a jerk too, though. Yeah. That's, that's why I was confused whenever I put my notes in. Um, God, you really need to step up your game. Um and yeah, because they're both like the the bullies. So, I, a- any other parallels that came to mind, Addison? Um, <laughs> no, I just put that in there because they were both mean. At first, like at the very beginning of the movie, I kind of saw Brand as Billy, just because like he was like working out and stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah, and it looked it looked like he was wearing a sweatshirt that was actually a shirt. Was was that mm-hmm. a thing back then? Yeah, and so was evidently wearing shorts over your sweatpants. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> People sometimes still do that, but only like for weird dress-up days at school. Did you see the the Halloween where Josh Brolin dressed up as himself from the Goonies like last yes. year or the year before or whenever that was? Yeah, complete with the shorts and the stretchy wire things, springy things, and yeah. Oh, and um, they were both, it was because they were both jerks and bullies um, with their cars to people on bikes. Oh, yeah. Now that you mention it, that did happen. Both of them did bully people on bikes with their cars. Yeah. And Lucas's mouth. This one kind of confused me also whenever I put this in. I just kind of, um, yeah, I, I couldn't really find an exact reason. I mean, they're both kind of like the tough ones who can be kind of like funny. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the only parallel I see. Did you have anything? No, that one's a little bit weaker, I think. At heart. I, I actually saw some people, because I did a little research too to see what other people were thinking. And I saw people drawing parallels between Lucas and Data. But it was because they're both looking through binoculars at some point. And I thought that was... Oh, uh, boo. Yeah, <laughs> don't see that. Yeah, I mean, and even then, Lucas and Mouth, I don't see, you know, you could even say Dustin and Mouth, because Dustin's kind of the mouthiest yeah. one of them. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I think I think that's the weakest one to draw a direct parallel. And, and honestly, there's a little crossover between all, all the multiple characters. It's not all cut and dry, which is which is good. Obviously, you don't want one character that's clearly just a ripoff of, you know, the yeah. from the Goonies. I think Lucas's little sister is more like Melf. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait to see more of her in season three. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I loved her. <laughs> but, you know, it, again, we how we talked about at the beginning where this movie probably is the single biggest influence on the show. And, you know, just kind of walking through these characters like this, I think, is evidence of that. I don't think the the parents in the Goonies were as clueless as the parents are in Stranger Things. You know, these kids wandered off and got trapped overnight. It was a single night and the parents were obviously where they were gone and looking for them and had the authorities involved with a search for them and stuff like that. So they weren't necessarily clueless, but they were kind of doing their own thing, which allowed the kids to be able to wander off like this. But at the same time in the eighties, that was, that was fine. We all did that when we had the freedom to jump on our bikes and not come home until it was dark outside. And the parents didn't really think anything of it until we didn't show up when it was dark. Right. Yeah. Street lights on. Are you home? Right. Where are you? Exactly. Any other parallels either of you want to throw in there? No, those are all the ones that I could come up with. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Faith? I can't really 
it's so strange to think it just had the same feeling like that's when I watched Stranger Things for the first time, that's all I thought. It was like, I'm having the same visceral reaction to this that I had to Goonies. Yeah. That's all I have. Like, I don't know how to explain it or put it into words. It's just had the same feeling. No, you're right. I mean, when when Stranger Things first came out, I didn't watch it right away. I didn't watch it for a long time. But we started immediately getting feedback in from listeners going, you guys need to do a podcast about this. And the thing that I heard over and over by those people or the people that I knew that were watching it was it just has this great 80s nostalgic feel like they're tapping into that stuff from the 80s. And, and I think that that's because The Goonies is such... Uh, and uh, an important movie from our childhood that that's exactly what people were feeling like, Oh my gosh, this makes me feel like the Goonies because they had, you know, obviously been so influenced by it. Explorers too. I got an explorers kind mm-hmm. of feeling from it, you know, just without the sci-fi mm-hmm. that started the sci-fi part <laughs> as yeah. much as the other stuff. But yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, the Goonies isn't sci-fi. It's, it's fantasy closer to, to, to sci-fi, but really just more adventure and that's where the other films that we're looking at come in. You know, last week we talked about Aliens, which is totally sci-fi. Next month we're talking about Firestarter, which is horror, I guess you could say. So, yeah, it's not just the Goonies, obviously, but but um, got a lot of good stuff from it. All right, well, let's get into some listener feedback. <laughs> We'll start here with what we got from Facebook. Um, I said this Saturday, we're talking the Goonies. What are your favorite moments and memories from this all-time classic? Uh, Lots of GIFs were posted. So uh, Andrew posted a GIF of Sloth saying, hey, you guys. That's pretty good. No? Okay, fine. (laughs) Uh, then we have Brand and the Senior Jerk Alert gif and the Mikey Chunk <laughs> with the statue. Do you think your mom's going to notice? Mara says, such a great movie. I think one of the best moments is at the end seeing the pirate ship sailing in the open sea. But the whole movie is just really fun and humorous. Do you plan to talk about any other deleted scenes like the one with the octopus? No, I don't think we're going to talk about the deleted scenes, actually. <laughs> but we, we should make um, our, de- like, talking about the deleted scenes a deleted scene. And it's only available, like, if you buy the full version of the podcast. <laughs> but then we have to randomly reference it as if we were talking about it. So the people can be like, what were you talking about? <laughs> True. Apparently, I did that last month. I accidentally cut out a piece of Corey. Uh, it was a significant part of the podcast. And I think it was Daryl Washington and Mark DeCote commented, uh, hey, that was kind of weird. There was a piece of Corey missing. So I had to go find that and put that back in. So <laughs> we could, it could kind of be like that. If you want to hear the full version, you got to you gotta pay up. Yes. Well, I like the way you think, Addison. Yeah, she also says, oh, and Cindy Lauper's Goonies Are Good Enough is still one of my favorite songs ever. And then some dude named Daryl, whoever that is, he says, I wasn't aware of any deleted scenes, goes to search YouTube. Which I did, and I found them. And then Malika says, 
Daryl Darnell, who for that is, yes, deleted scenes were awful. If you get a chance, watch the DVD with the commentary on. Most of the cast are on it, and it's awesome to get those behind-the-scenes insights. Heart eyes emoji. And then Faith McQuinn, I've never heard of her. She says, I'll definitely talk about it. Goonies is my second favorite film of all time, right behind The Princess Bride. Hmm, I think I've heard that before. Who said that earlier? I don't know, some ghost. Yeah, yeah. sounds vaguely familiar. I can't quite put my finger on it. And uh, Jenny says, I remember watching it three times in one night. I loved it so much. Oh, wow. It was me with um, R- Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> watched it, it like was. seven times on a day. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she spent an entire Saturday watching it. Like, did you even get out of bed except to pee? I wasn't. I wasn't in bed. I was watching it in the living room. It was when I was like a little kid. And I think I you were watching it on the laptop in your in your bed. No, I used to come out of my room sometimes. Oh, I don't remember those days. Uh, my brother um, loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, oh, like wow. the good one. Okay. And we had it on VHS and he would watch it and then rewind it, but watch it while it was rewinding. What? And then watch it again. This is like my favorite <laughs> joke to tell about him, about how much he loved that movie. I was like, you wore out a tape. I didn't even know it was possible, but he wore out the VHS tape and we had to buy a new one. He watched it so much. <laughs> That's what I did with uh, the 1989 Batman. I didn't rewind it, and, and but I did wear it out watching it so many times. Love that film. <laughs> Okay, and uh, Mara says, still definitely one of my all-time favorite movies. I remember rolling my eyes and not being sure I wanted to watch it when one of my friends put it on when I was a kid, but I'm glad they did. And then Jenny replied with, I still have to watch it at least once a year. Last time I watched it was with my nephew. He was most interested in the deleted octopus scene. (laughs) Hopefully just to see it and not because it's good. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully. Uh, then we've got Ben Crane uh, posting a picture, uh, probably a GIF, of uh, Chunk doing the truffle shuffle. And uh, Jeremiah Panhorst, that name sounds familiar, uh, said so many moments, definitely every moment with Chunk and Sloth and every time Data uses his gadgets. Actually, See? it says every time. He does. I was trying to, you know, I'm, I knew what he meant. I wasn't going to call him out on it, but of course you would. <laughs> All right. We also have some audio feedback this month, and um, we're going to get to that in just a second. Because before we do that, Addie, would you grab those two pieces off the shelf over there that are in front of Max? We got uh, a package in the mail, and this came in a couple of months ago. I completely forgot to mention it last month, and so I put this card. It's been sitting here on my computer for over a month, so I would not forget it. Yes, and there should be one other item over there, too. And so we got a card in the mail, and it came in from Hannah. She says, Addie and Daryl, I just recently went to the LA Comic Con and saw these and thought of you. I hope you enjoy, and thank you for all that you do. I'm a big fan of your podcast network and the Stranger Things podcast. Your fan or your fam? I'm going to go with fam because Hannah's like family. And she says, Hannah DeBoer. So thank you, Hannah. I know you can't see them holding up so Faith can see it. So Oh, that's cool. Um, she she gives handwritten note and everything. So Oh, sweet. And Addie, what did she send us along with the awesome card? Um, okay, so there's one coaster and it's of Eleven eating Eggos in the forest. And it says, Friends Don't Lie in the Stranger Things font. And then a magnet 
that says feed dart with a little cartoon picture of dart and it has like a shiny red border yeah so thank you hannah we love them we've added them they sit in here on the toy shelf i have with all the stranger things pops and the Lego people that you sent us last time. So thank you. Um, okay, let's listen to some audio feedback that we got in from Yadalogical. Hello, Daryl and Addy. Specifically Addy this time. This is Yadalogical. I want to make it clear how the Demogorgon got launched across the classroom in Season 1, Chapter 8. So I'll start from the very beginning. Let's assume for the minute that it was the wrist rocket. In the classroom, we can see a set of power outlets on the second cylinder block up from the wall. When the Demogorgon is pressed up against the chalkboard, you can't see the floor, but you can see the outlets, so you can tell that it is 11 cinder blocks tall. A standard cinder block is 9 inches in height. This means that the Demogorgon is about 251 centimeters tall. The average height of a human is 182 centimeters. The average mass is 70 kilograms. Therefore, a Demogorgon is about 1.38 times as tall as a human. Following the law of cubic proportions, this means it has 2.62 times the mass of a human, assuming a similar density, which is reasonable. This comes out to the total being approximately 184 kilograms. A standard classroom is about 10 meters across, and the Demogorgon was launched most of that distance. I estimate 762 centimeters based on the Bacon model of the tables in the room. The travel time was 1.2 seconds, so the total acceleration upon impact of the rock was 6.35 meters per second squared. The rock in the wrist rocket was about 5 centimeters in diameter. This makes the volume of the rock about 65.5 milliliters. Since the density of stone is about 3.3 grams per milliliter, the rock must have had a mass of 196 grams. Force equals mass times acceleration. An 184 kilogram object being accelerated to 6.35 meters per second would require over 1,000 newtons of force. In order to deliver that much force, an 196 gram must have been traveling at nearly 6,000 meters per second. That's 1.5 million joules of kinetic energy. A joule is a newton meter. The stress versus strain curve of an elastic material, such as a slingshot, must be proportional. Since the cross-sectional area of the material stays the same, the stress is always just the force. Since the material starts out very short, the strain is just the length. With a bit of simple integral calculus, we can tell that the average force exerted by the slingshot must be half the maximum. Therefore, the maximum force Lucas pulls back with is 8.6 million newtons, or nearly 2 million pounds. Unless you really think that Nucus is capable of pulling with two millions pounds of force, it must have been Eleven who launched the Demogorgon backwards. Cool. So um, I was right. (laughs) 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 Okay. Okay. First of all, why would you go through that much trouble just to prove me wrong? Why? Because physics is cool. Would you like to? Help me with my math and chemistry because I am terrible at it and you sound like you're really good at it. So, um, and my point was that um, the Demogorgon, uh, like the inside of the mouth was the weak spot and that's why it caused him to like go back so far. So I'm obviously right about that. Um, (laughs) Just like... Obviously. Yeah. Just like I was right about all those notes I put in earlier. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, dad, you could have done something. Right. So don't listen, don't listen to that guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Like just because he does like research and like math, that doesn't mean he's right. So what you want to do is listen to a sixteen-year-old girl who is amazing. So (laughs) you're not gonna back up your theory with anything other than you're amazing. 
Um, I also said it was his weak spot. Okay, so, so if he's like a lot weaker, then it's like whenever somebody punches you really hard, like if it's on your arm, it doesn't hurt that much. But if it's like in your throat, yeah, like mom, like if she punches you in your arm, it's not going to hurt. But if she punches you in the throat, it's going to hurt. So it was kind of like that. So like if Lucas hit like his arm, then it wasn't going to do anything. But since he hit the inside of the mouth. It caused him to fly across the room. Okay. All right. She's sticking to it. You had a logical, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you you laid out as good of an argument as I can imagine can possibly be done. Yeah, and that's the best one I've heard. Sometimes there's just no reasoning with a 16-year-old girl. So. Hey, you were the one that thought, like, Max had powers. Well, you know what? Two things. I based that on the game that they then changed just to spite me. <laughs> And two, I admitted that I was wrong. Okay, first. But I still might be right. <laughs> exactly. I get it from you. <laughs> this will be fun. I get it by watching. <laughs> next month, we're talking about Firestarter, which which uh, my Max theory was also based on. So that'll be fun. Yachtological, that was awesome. Uh, among the the my favorite feedbacks that I've I've been podcasting ten years now, and that that's among my favorites. So thank you yeah. for putting that together. That was amazing. Why did you say specifically, Addy? Um, like Dad was the one that's been wrong this entire season. So, well, he was addressing your specific issue. Mm, no, but you were the one that was wrong, so he should have addressed you. Okay. <laughs> see faith this is what you get to look forward to in a few years when uh, your girls get to be teenagers how old are they yeah they're eight. Oh, so they're technically 16 you know <laughs> together yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh all right well thank you yadological thank you hannah thank you to everyone who posted on facebook uh we we love getting your insights on these movies and your you know, favorite moments and memories as we do as well. We'll have a chance on Facebook for you to put in your thoughts for next month's episode, which as I mentioned is Firestarter. If you would like to join us for that, we do not have a guest host lined up yet. So if that's one that you'd like to join us for, you can send an email over to feedback at goldenspiralmedia.com and that'll come directly to me. And I will um, have a conversation with you to make sure that uh, we're able to have you as a guest host. And so, yeah, we'd love to have you. Addie, would you like to uh, tell everyone how they can submit feedback for next month's or future episodes? Yes, you can send in your feedback at 304-837-2278 or our feedback page, which is goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. And you can keep the conversation going on social media. Our Instagram is Stranger Things GSM. Our Twitter is Upside Down GSM. And our Facebook is www.facebook.com slash GSM. All right. Well, uh, Faith, tell us again uh, about your podcast and tell us how we can connect with you wherever you like to be connected with. Okay. My podcast is called Boom, a serial drama. You can find it all the places. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Observer Picks. That's P-I-X. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com um, slash boom podcast. And Facebook.com slash Observer Picks. So you can follow me everywhere. Observer Picks, is that inspired by Fringe? 
I've had other people ask me that and it might be like subconsciously, but no, oh, okay. <laughs> it was not what I was thinking at first. It was all about space because I'm a big space geek and oh. I was thinking about astronauts observing from space, observing Earth from space. So okay, that's where it came from. Well, okay. Well, speaking of Fringe, I meant to mention earlier, completely forgot, but Martha Plimpton, who played Steph, you may recall that she appeared on an episode of Fringe. I didn't look up which one it was. I want to say it was Northwest Passage, um, but it was definitely when uh, Peter had gone up to the Pacific Northwest and there is a mysterious thing in the woods. It had a very X-Files vibe to that episode. And so she played the local sheriff in that episode. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to bring a close to our podcast. Uh, Faith, thanks for joining us. It was fun. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Hopefully you'll get a chance to join us again. Yep. Yeah, Addie, you want to see me again? Yeah, you're cool. <laughs> oh, awesome. Would you like to be the guest host instead of dad? Yeah, that could totally work out. Let's do that. <laughs> Wow, I see. I see. I invited her earlier. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And then Addie does. She's like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> see how it is. They've conspired against me. I'm not surprised. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Stranger Things podcast. And until next time, stay strange. <laughs>